Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. What a crazy week it's been on my end. Unfortunately, I had some visa issues that seems are all resolved now, so I lost a week in Nigeria, but I am hopping on a flight tomorrow evening to head to Lagos for the Africa Fintech Summit. But for today's episode, we are heading over to Buenos Aires as I am joined by Lisa Besserman, the founder and CEO of Startup Buenos Aires, which is the connective tissue of the Argentina startup ecosystem and aims to inspire and connect startups and entrepreneurs in Latin America. Lisa is a fantastic resource on the Buenos Aires startup ecosystem and has been internationally recognized for her work, including being named Business Insider's Top 100 Most Influential Women in Tech, as well as the Business Innovator of Latin America by the Council of the Americas. It was such a pleasure connecting with Lisa, and you will definitely enjoy her insight as much as I did. So without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Lisa Besserman, the founder and CEO of Startup Buenos Aires. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So Lisa, it's great to have you on. I would love to start this off with just a little bit about you and the story behind the founding of Startup Buenos Aires. Sure. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm excited to be here. So just a little background about Startup Buenos Aires. I, um, you know, originally from New York City, and I was running the operations for a tech firm in New York. Our team was distributed between um, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Russia. And I was working with the COO in the New York office, and uh, my lease was up in my overpriced Manhattan apartment, and, and winter was coming for those Game of Thrones fans, <laughs> winter was coming. And I, um, you know, I wanted to get out of New York to try something new. And I always love to travel, I love adventure. And so I thought it would be great if I could request to work remotely for a short amount of time just to escape that New York winter, save some money on, on rent. Um, so I asked my company if I could work remotely uh, for a couple months and they said yes. And I had about a week or so to leave my apartment. And I looked at a map and I said, okay, you know, based on time zone and climate, where is the best place to go? And so I narrowed it down to Central and South America. And, um, you know, I heard great things about Buenos Aires. I heard great things about Argentina. I didn't speak a word of Spanish, didn't know anybody in the country. Um, but I thought it was going to be, you know, a, a little working adventure. And so I decided to go down to, to Buenos Aires with a, a suitcase and a, a laptop. And and then I was just going to take it from there. And so I got down there and I thought the best way to meet people would be to get involved in the local startup community because I was pretty active in the New York startup scene at the time. And so I started to research and tried to find this this startup community, knowing that there was you know this great entrepreneurial talent and, and tech talent in, in Argentina. But I was surprised to learn a few things um, in my research. One, there really was no startup community, which was strange because number two, there were more entrepreneurs than I had ever met in my entire life in, in such a you know a small city. And three, regardless of, of these entrepreneurs and these startups, regardless of their regardless of their stages of development, they all lacked resources and a support system. And then lastly, it was a very, very fragmented space. So it was really challenging to navigate 
the ecosystem. There were events happening, there were things happening, but it was just, just a very, very fragmented space. And then that's where the idea of Startup Buenos was born. It was meant to be a place where startup enthusiasts and founders could get together and help one another and build an actual community, but also put Buenos Aires on the map in terms of global startup ecosystems and find a way to build bridges between these startup communities and bring more opportunities to the region of, of Latin America and to the city of Buenos Aires. So one thing that's been super fascinating to me when it comes to the successful startup community building organizations, it's been interesting to me to hear how the the founder of it goes about actually monetizing it and, and turning it into a business. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear a little bit about your your story of, of going through that process. Sure. That uh, because, <laughs> you, you know, whenever you start an organization like this, the way you are going to make money six months later isn't how you probably envisioned it when you started out, right? That could not be more accurate. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, and one of the biggest mistakes I, I learned very quickly was, um, you know, if you're going to start a business, make sure you have a business model. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, the idea of Startup Buenos Aires, it wasn't meant to be a business at first. It was really just an altruistic vision and mission. Um, you know, I never, never expected it to grow as quickly as it, as it grew. And I never expected to leave my, my, my job um, or my salary and build a business and a company out of it. It was really just meant to be a side project. And, um, but once, once the organization started to get some traction and once it started to grow and make an impact, that's when I recognized, wow, like this, this could be something very impactful for the city, um, and for the region. And then that's when I made the the very tough decision to leave my job, uh, to resign and then stay on full time and invest my life savings into building this. Um, so at first I was extremely naive. I'm, I'm what I would call an accidental entrepreneur. I never intended on being an entrepreneur. I never had aspirations of being one, but I saw a problem and was crazy enough to think I had the solution. And in that, in that process, I accidentally became an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, when I started the organization and, and when I realized we had to grow, I thought the best way for this organization to, to scale would be through corporate sponsorships. Because in New York, I, I saw these types of community organizations getting sponsorship from big banks, uh, you know, from Google, from Facebook, and other organizations that, you know, liked the idea of, of working with this really strong target community of, of technologists and, and entrepreneurs and startups. So I thought very naively that we could survive off of corporate sponsorships. Um, but one thing I didn't recognize is that the, the corporate sponsorship structure is incredibly different in Latin America, and there's just not as much money to go around, if any. So, you know, the first few months were, were really tough because we kept on getting told no. Everybody loved what we were doing and these larger, you know, large companies and corporations and multinationals that, have, that are worth billions of dollars, they couldn't sponsor us. They would give us, you know, snacks or, or a space to have an event, but they weren't able to um, financially support us or sponsor us. And that was really tough. And, and that was, you know, one of the crossroads me and my team came to and we're like, all right, like this, this business model isn't working. What can we do? And so our team was split and, and quite a few people on the team suggested we start charging for events and, and for, um, you know, the resources we're providing and the tools. Because at this point, we, we did start to gain some traction and we started to add a lot of value to the community in, in terms of events and, and initiatives. And I was, re- I was really against that because it went it really went against the entire mission. You know, the reason we started this and, and you know, the vision behind Startup Buenos Aires was really to create an organization and provide opportunities and resources to the community that didn't have any and didn't have access to them. So to charge them for it 
kind of went against everything that that I believed in. So, um, you know, I, I refused that. And we were we were really stuck. And, and, you know, there was a time where we had very little runway left and we didn't know if we were going to be able to survive um, because we just couldn't think of a viable business model. And then <laughs> kind of like fatefully one day, we received an email from a startup in San Francisco and they said, hey, we found you guys. We heard Argentina has incredible dev talent. Um, we're looking to build a mobile app. It's too expensive in the U.S. Can you connect us with a, with a you know a dev agency or, or some developers that can help us out? And so we did. And then um, you know that's when we realized, wow, like Argentina is home to to some of the greatest tech talent in the world, specifically in software development. And the cost of labor is so much you know lower than it is or would be in the U.S. Why don't we create this outsourcing or offshoring hub where we, um, you know, vet and find, you know, dev agencies and, and, you know, various development talent and then connect them with startups or companies in the U.S. who are either looking to, you know, have an augmented staff solution and offshore an entire IT team or build tech projects and software development projects. And then we'll serve as, as the middlemen and, you know, facilitate that relationship and do all the vetting and, and ensure that the relationship goes smoothly. And then in this way, we're, we're, you know, opening doors from, you know, the local vendors that want access to these U.S. clients. And we're also providing the U.S. clients with a really fantastic and cost-effective solution. And that's where our business model was born. So we have, for the past four years, been surviving off of, you know, offshoring talent and Within the past four years that we created this business model, we've brought about $3 million into the city of Buenos Aires for these um, development agencies and local partners. So it's really helped transform, you know, not only the local ecosystem, but but create jobs and, um, you know, help companies scale beyond their means. I really love that because us in the startup ecosystem world, we always look to venture capital in a particular ecosystem as like, the the measure of a healthy ecosystem, you know, I've I've learned that that's not it's not a very good measure stick. Even though you know it's one of the only ones we can point to because startups are private companies. But what you're doing is you're providing real jobs and opportunities locally, and you know I I think it's 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 something that that should be uh, talked about more. Where you know agency models. And, you know, SMEs, they're also a big and important part of an ecosystem. Uh, and so it's, it's great that your organization is not only uh, sustainable, but is also helping those, those agency models and, and, and helping them thrive in country. Now, you know, Argentina in itself isn't really the, the biggest market, at least compared to Brazil. So within the uh, startup community, what, what stage would you say that a company in Argentina can no longer focus on just the domestic market and has to expand into Brazil or another larger country within Latin America? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think working with the amount of startups we've worked with and, and entrepreneurs, it's pretty evident that once startups, you know, create their their businesses in Argentina, they have global ambitions from day one. They recognize that the Argentina market, it just isn't big enough to sustain, you know, true scalability. And so when they develop their companies, they do so in a way that is global from the very start. Um, so, 
you know, it's it's easy to focus on on your own region um, or your own country at first, but but Argentines don't. They they recognize that they need to either focus on the greater Latin America or or the U.S. market or or the entire world because unlike Brazil, they just don't have uh, a strong enough local market to sustain any sort of growth. Um, you know that also you know um, contributed with the. Um, you know, macroeconomic climate and the political instability, it's just not a strong enough market to, um, you know, to allow startups to scale. So I'd say from day one, most, most look globally, um, and, and, you know, intend to scale globally uh, from the start. Yeah. And I, and I find that that's pretty common across smaller markets. And, you know, some people might view that as a disadvantage, and others might view it as a good thing in that it, it instills this global mindset uh, and makes it necessary from early on. I think that could help a company in the long term, especially once they get past the Series A, Series B. What One thing I would love to make sure that we touch on, uh, I, I want to hear about the story when the Argentine government attempted, I guess, what we, what would you call it, a hostile takeover of, <laughs> of the startup Buenos Aires brand? Uh, could, could you tell us about that story? Oh, it seems like ages ago. We've we've come a long way since then. Well, it was it was a different time. Um, it was a different administration, and um, I don't want to get too much into it because you know our our relationship has changed has changed drastically with the government, and we're working very closely with them. And they recognized that we were here to stay. And I think once once they recognized that that we weren't going anywhere and that we were more than just you know a gringa's side project. Um, they they wanted to work with us and they realized there was strength in numbers and that there was value to what we were doing and they recognized that and they wanted to be a part of that. So, you know, we've definitely learned to work together. And, you know, at, at the time there was a different administration, as I said, and, and now Makri, who was at the time mayor, is now president and he recognizes that it is entrepreneurship that that can save and will save Argentina. Um, and so organizations like like Startup Buenos Aires are are more important now than ever. And so now they're, they're, you know, a very good partner and, and friend of ours. But at the time, I think, um, you know, it was, they saw what we were doing and they saw the value, um, but they wanted to, um, to run it themselves. And um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it's, uh, I try not to talk about it too much because so much has, so much has changed since then. And we have, you know, a very strong working relationship with the government and, and we really appreciate what they are doing now for entrepreneurs in the city. Um, you know, they have just these incredible educational programs, incredible investment opportunities. Um, and they're really putting a lot of investment and resources into building this entrepreneurial city out of Buenos Aires, recognizing the talent they have and also recognizing the partnerships that they can create. So we're, we're very fortunate to have, um, you know, made a complete 180 in terms of, of how that relationship went and or started and then how, how it is now. So, right. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I should, I should have caveated that, uh, with, with the fact that, you know, in, in the research that I did, it, it seems like, you know, over the past, we'll say f- four years, the government has seemed to be very liberal in, in their policies and they've been supportive vocally in the media about uh, supporting the startup scene. Absolutely. They've also, you know, created policies that open Argentina to the to the global capital markets and helped with import export taxes, you know, created these new laws, makes it make it a lot easier to, to start a company, to register your company, uh, you know, create funding programs like Incubate, which is similar to Startup Chile, where they provide equity free funding. Prende BA, which is uh, an educational series for entrepreneurs. So they're really doing just incredible things 
to really fuse and and support the the local startup community. So, you know, it's not just saying that they support it, it's that they're really doing a lot of really fantastic initiatives to to help it grow and, and, and enable it to become, you know, the world power that it, that it could become, that it should become because of the talent that, that exists here. So I would love to hear your thoughts on, on just the, the good and the bad of, of those equity-free grant programs. It seems like they're, they're pretty popular within the South American countries. I understand how, how they'd be effective in, in attracting a lot of international companies and uh, establishing a, a local culture and a community. I mean, maybe the direct ROI isn't isn't necessarily the right metric to look at in, in terms of the effectiveness of the, of the programs. But I, I'd love to hear your thoughts just on how you've seen those equity-free grant programs across the continent going. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Latin America as as a region is really ripe for the picking in terms of investment, in terms of, of human capital. And I think that it's going to be the next major player in terms of, you know, startup success stories. And, um, you know, specifically Argentina as well. You know, when you think of uh, or when you think of unicorns coming out of the region of Latin America, most of them, I think five out of nine come from Argentina. So so the talent is there and, and, and the human capital is there. Unfortunately, the financial capital isn't. So what happens, you know, on a very regular basis all across Latin America is startups scale and, and founders scale as much as they possibly can with their, you know, small amounts of funding, like seed or or, or uh, pre-seed or even series A. But once it becomes time for them to raise some, some serious funds, they wind up leaving and they go to places like Silicon Valley or New York or London or Berlin, you know, as a way to, to raise follow-on capital and, and, much lar- and raise much larger checks. So that's created this exportation of talent that's really tough. So, you know, these programs, while they're not writing huge checks, they are creating seed funding, which a lot of startups need to start their businesses or, or to scale their businesses to get to that next level. So, you know, not only are they, they providing this equity-free funding that does not dilute the ownership for these founders, but it also creates a community and it creates an education. Um, you know, when you think about these accelerator programs, it's not just about writing a check, walking away and waiting for something great to happen. It's it's really fostering these startups, giving them a place to work, giving them a place to collaborate, allowing them to communicate with each other, access to clients or partnerships. And doing so with the support of a government is really beneficial and it really can change the magnitude that a startup has or, or you know, the trajectory that a startup has by having, you know, not only this financial support, but this operational and strategic support as well. So I think, you know, these programs, while, you know, the ROI isn't immediate, which it never is, you know, it usually takes between five and 10 years to, to see any sort of return on the investment. I think it's really creating this next generation of, of education and support for startups. And it's also creating a global stage for the region to say, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, the rest of the world can see the success stories uh, or the potential that come out of the region and they can even you know start here so you know something that startup chile did really well was it opened the program to international entrepreneurs so let's say startups who are interested in expanding to the latin american market or even just access to checking out a new city and and receiving you know this equity free Grant, it's it's created this ripple effect where now startups and founders who might not have even recognized the region as a market or even you know contributed to, to things that are happening in the region now they're they're coming here they're moving here um, and they're they're collaborating with the local community so I think it's only it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to create you know much a much stronger effect in terms of what we see being produced in the region and and how that can scale globally. 
I would imagine that it also does a really good job at, at really seeding a global network locally. And every year they're bringing these classes, all these new founders are coming. And then that provides you know a, a really great opportunity for, for locals to build their network in the city. But I would love to finish this off with just a little bit about what do you see as the biggest weaknesses in the Argentinian ecosystem now and what solutions you feel like uh, are being implemented over the next few years that will help make a robust ecosystem? Absolutely. Without a doubt, anyone you ask this question will say the same thing. It, it's the volatility of, of the macroeconomic climate in Argentina. It, um, you know, it's a very real problem. It's definitely a huge obstacle, you know, and, and it, it, it barrier to entry, you know, when it comes to either investing in, in Argentina because it is a risky place to invest in or starting a company or creating partnerships because, you know, the economic climate is just incredibly volatile. And right now it, it's not in a great position. Um, you know, that being said, I think, you know, necessity breeds innovation. And if anybody is resilient, it's definitely Argentine entrepreneurs. And, and out of this has created this really strong crypto um, community. And according to the Bitcoin market uh, potential index, Argentina is the country with the single greatest potential for digital currencies. And many cryptocurrencies have launched and started from Buenos Aires. I believe there's like about 150 venues that accept Bitcoin in Buenos Aires, and that's compared to, I think, 90 in London and, and 80 something in New York. So while, yes, the, the macroeconomic climate is really difficult in Argentina, I think it's also created this new level of innovation that startups and technologists are really quick to adapt and to innovate. And I think, you know, with this whole crypto cryptocurrency market, I think Argentina is absolutely going to come out on top um, because they need to. And, um, you know, when Bitcoin first started, Argentina had the most Bitcoin startups in the world. And, you know, that's just uh, it just shows, you know, how resilient these entrepreneurs are and, and how, you know, they don't rely on, you know, centralized organizations to to help, um, you know, them grow them grow it as, as entrepreneurs or, or as as company owners. So yes, while while the macroeconomic climate is really tough at the moment in Argentina, I think that's also going to create this next wave of, of really innovative and out-of-the-box startups, um, and especially this adoption of, of cryptocurrency market. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Uh, so Lisa, we're going to finish off with a quick fire round, four questions, up to 60 seconds each. How does that sound? Sounds cool. What is your favorite local cuisine in Buenos Aires? Oh, you can't say anything besides the steak, the carne. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And a nice glass of Malbec. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, what is your favorite business or startup book and why? Um, my favorite business book is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's, um, you know, it was written many years ago, but it still holds tr true today in, in any personal or professional setting. I guarantee anybody should read it multiple times. It'll mean different things to you each time, and it'll definitely make you a better person and um, you know, business person as well. Who is the female CEO or founder in Argentina that you admire the most right now? Well, she's not. Uh, she's an investor. Can I can I say that? Sure, that'll work. Sure, Vanessa College. She's been. She's like the OG startup queen in Argentina. She's been a mentor to me since day one. She's she's just 
a really smart and educated woman who who puts the community first. And I really value and admire who she is, um, you know, as as a startup founder, as you know, now an investor and, and what she's doing in Latin America and, and for women all around the world. And finally, what is your favorite thing about living in Buenos Aires? The people, um, you know, it's just, it's got a culture and, um, you know, there's so much focused on relationships and, and an openness and an acceptance, um, you know, and the people got behind what we were building and it was a community organization and it, we wouldn't have succeeded without the community um, and without the people getting behind us. So it's absolutely hands down the people. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world.